Well, my name is Jeff, and I'm a good friend of Chris's. Most of you know that already. You have graciously invited me here before, so I'm glad to be back, glad to be back with you. Chris uh, preached for me a couple of weeks ago um, while I was gone, and so uh, it's always a great brotherhood, a great friendship that uh, we get to share with each other and to kind of do this journey of life together as pastors. uh, Really appreciate it. He preached for me when my family was getting back from Legoland. We got a chance to go to Legoland with two boys that are nine years old and six years old. Legoland is like a trip of a lifetime for them. So they loved it. Uh, But you know, you parents know that uh, walking through those uh, gift shops, walking through those uh, stores, there's always... The question, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Uh, it's just, you know, over and over again, we, you get a chance to practice your no. You get a, practice, you get a chance to practice your boundaries of uh, what, you can, what you can have, son, and what you can't have, son. Uh, we've already gotten you these Lego sets. Do you really need more? The answer is always yes, by the way. They always need more. But uh, that's what I feel like, you know, if I've, if I've told these kids once, I've told them a hundred times about how many Lego sets they can have. Um, so that was, a good, that was a good time to kind of get back from them, from, that, from uh, Legoland with them. That was, that, that was our first, uh, you know, my family's from Texas, so the, the Flint Four up here in Bellingham. Uh, all, all of our families back in Texas. So usually, you know, during the summer, we feel kind of obligated to make a family visit back to Texas. So this is the first year that we had our vacation just ourselves, just us four, no more, right? Uh, and so it was, uh, it was a nice time. We actually got along and enjoyed each other's company for the most part. Uh, when, the, when, the, uh, when, the, when the stars aligned... We were, we were having a good time, so. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm the pastor over at uh, First Baptist Church, Bellingham, downtown, and um, I've been there 16 years, started as the associate pastor doing everything, and then uh, became the senior pastor in 2008, and have been enjoying that ever since. Um, and so... Uh, one of the things that we have been doing over at First Baptist throughout the summer uh, has been, we, we've been taking a look at various places in the scriptures where kids play a major part of that story. Uh, we've, we've invited the kids with us to worship throughout the whole service for us during the summer months as we give our kids volunteers, uh, leaders, uh, some time for refreshment and renewal in their passion for ministry uh, the rest of the year. And so, uh, it's been great. It's been fun. One of the stories that we looked at was this story in 1 Samuel. Um, so today I'd like to take a look at that story uh, found in the Old Testament about this young boy who actually heard from God himself. And once he did, his life was never the same again. His parents' lives we're never the same again. It's the story of a young boy named Samuel, uh, how God called him to himself. And Samuel prays this prayer, even as a young kid, he prays this prayer that may be, it may be the most powerful prayer you could ever pray. 
No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, if you pray the prayer that Samuel prayed, I believe that God will meet you in very significant ways, in ways that you might have never imagined. Samuel's story is found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. We're going to begin in chapter 3. It's page 270 in your pew Bible. Uh, We're going to begin there when Samuel is probably about 11 or 12 years old. And there we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, that's the author's way of saying Eli has lost his spiritual insight. Uh, He's lost his spiritual voice into... um, Israel's life. Israel's eyes were so weak that he could barely see. He was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. From beginning to end, he had mentioned what he was going to do back in chapter 2. Verse 13. For I told Eli that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. So Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you. Be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. 
and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for um, the fact that we have these words, this story, this event in Samuel's life recorded for us, uh, that we can engage, that we can enter into the story so many years later. And I thank you for the way that they challenge us. I thank you for the way that they reveal uh, who you are, what kind of God you are. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive, give us minds to uh, think deeply on what you have for us this evening. I pray a blessing for Letter Street's Covenant Church. I pray that you would bear much fruit for your kingdom through the work of this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It might be, that might be the most powerful prayer that you could ever pray. For yourself, for our world, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Why? Well, because when God speaks, something always happens. That's the way my preaching prof liked to, to put it. When God speaks, something always happens. Maybe you heard it as we were reading the story, that the story is bracketed at the beginning and at the end with that phrase, the word of the Lord. Verse 1, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Verse 21, the Lord continued to appear and he revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord, through his word. And then right in the middle of the story, verse 7, we hear it again. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. All throughout this story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we hear words like speak, call, answer, listen, said. The Lord said over and over and over again. This is a story about a God ready to speak into not just Samuel's life, but into the life of Israel, into the life of God's people. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, the author says. There were not many visions, the author says. In other words, times were tough. God seemed far away. God seemed very inactive in their lives. God seemed uninterested in their struggles and their pain and their frustrations. The leaders of the people of God weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They had abandoned their people. They had abandoned their responsibilities before God. Times were tough. Have you ever felt that way about God in your life? That God seems uninterested in your situation? That he feels distant from you? Or that he has abandoned you? Or that he has abandoned his people? That he has abandoned his nation? This prayer can be the most powerful prayer for you in those moments. Because when God speaks, something's going to happen. You notice how the story ends almost the opposite of how it began. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, whereas before, there weren't many visions that day. The word of the Lord was rare. At the end of the chapter, 
the Lord continues to appear over and over again to Samuel. He reveals himself to Samuel through his word. Now God is appearing again. God is showing up. God is alive and active and working in the midst of this, these people's hopelessness, in the midst of their frustrations. And most incredibly, God reveals who he is through his word. We know who God is because of what he says, because of what he speaks. Something happens between the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter. This turning point in the story is Samuel praying this prayer. That's the turning point. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It transforms everything. It's the prayer that turned the nation of Israel at this moment in history. It's the prayer that brought them their first official prophet, Samuel, who speaks God's words to his people. It's the prayer that turns Samuel's life around, and it can do the same for you. It's the most powerful prayer you could pray because of what happens when God speaks. So let's talk a little bit about what actually happens. What happens when God speaks? What happens when his word goes forth? Uh, three things. Number one, first of all, uh, let me just say it this way, then we'll talk about it. Uh, verse, uh, first of all, uh, reality happens. Reality. In other words, God God's word brings into being that which was not there before. He is able to bring something out of nothing with just a word. Samuel's own life was an example of that. He was a miracle baby. Maybe you know the story. His mother's name was Hannah. She couldn't have kids. She was barren. She was desperate to have a child. So she did what many of us do when we want something so bad from God. We pray to God something like, God, I will give you anything if you will just get me through this. I will give you anything if you will let me have this or that. Uh, you know, I used to pray about stuff like, um, I would say, Lord, if you just let me marry Bethany, I will do anything, anything you, will want, you want me to do. Well, here I am. Here I am. Lord, if you just get me through this math final, I'll do anything that you want. If you just let me win the lottery, I promise I'll give 10% to the church. I'll go to church every week. I'll read my Bible every day. Well, Hannah prayed this prayer, and uh, it went like, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you, and he will serve you in your temple. Well, she had a son, and to her credit, she did what she said she would do, and she gave him to the Lord's service in the temple. And Hannah was glad to do it. Samuel was a miracle baby. His own life was a reflection of what God spoke into Hannah's life, his mother's life. God said he would bring life to a womb where there was no life. When God speaks, something always happens. Reality happens. Uh, think about the very beginning of all things, page 1 of the Bible, the first chapter of the whole thing. How did everything come into being? Right? It came by the word of God. Ten times we hear in that first chapter, and God said, and God said, and God said. And when God said it, it happened. Land came into being. Sky came into being. Fish and birds and animals came into being. Human beings came into being came into reality. God's word makes things happen. In fact, God's word is reality itself. 
He speaks life, and life happens. God's Word is the most real thing that could ever be. And at the beginning of all things, at the beginning of creation, who, to whom was God speaking? To whom was God speaking? Nobody, right? Nothing. Nothing has to be there in order for God to do something with it. God's Word is so powerful that it can bring something out of nothing. It can bring order out of chaos. It tells us what is really real. God's Word can do the same for your life, no matter how much of a nothing you might feel, no matter how chaotic your life has become, no matter how meaningless your life might feel in whatever moment. When God speaks, something always happens. When you pray, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, it's the most powerful prayer that you could pray. Because his word brings about reality. It is reality itself. Secondly, life happens because of the word of God. God brings to life, God brings things to life with just a word. Uh, Can I tell you a story? There's this amazing story in another Old Testament prophet book named Ezekiel, found in chapter 37, where the prophet Ezekiel is experiencing the hopelessness once again of God's people of Israel of a nation that has lost its way under God uh, much like the time when Samuel was called this uh, the nation no longer felt like one nation under God anymore right Uh, many people I talk to are sensing something similar in our nation today and uh, understandably when nations when people Uh, When individuals set themselves up to be God, they experience the consequences of such a decision. Ezekiel was feeling the same way in his moment of history. He was wondering what God was going to do about it. This is what God does. He shows him a valley. In this valley, uh, all Ezekiel can see for miles and miles and miles are bones. Ezekiel sees skeletons just scattered throughout this valley. He sees leg bones and femurs and pelvises, or is it pelvi? I don't know, pelvises. These dry bones scattered all across the valley, and God asks a question that, uh, you know, (laughs) I love how God asks these kind of questions in in, uh, in, in in our existence. He asks Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? You know, and I love, it's kind of like a trick question from God. Can these bones live again? God asks Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel, very, very wisely, is a smart guy, answers, Lord, only you know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's really a humble response because, you know, from a human perspective, the situation is impossible. Of course not. Dry bones cannot become alive again. From a human perspective, there's no way that dead bones can become people once again. God then tells Ezekiel to do something absolutely ridiculous. He tells him to speak to the valley of dry bones. Say to the bones, Ezekiel, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
The Lord will cause these dead bones to come to life again. Muscles and tendons and cartilage and eyeballs and skin will form once again over these bones. And once, what was once dead will come alive again. When God speaks, something always happens. And this time, the bones didn't even have actual ears to hear. Right? But it still happened. It happened because, why? Because the Word of God is powerful enough to make it happen. As someone has said, the Word of God doesn't just give out information, it doesn't just inform us, but it performs. It always does what it says. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, God, we need to hear your voice once again. Speak into our lives, speak into this neighborhood. Many of you may have seen, uh, metaphorically, uh, dry, dry bones scattered throughout your neighborhood. And we need to hear a word of the Lord. Um, can these bones live again? Yes, they can. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's the most powerful prayer you could pray because his word always causes something to happen. Life happens. God explains to Ezekiel what just happened in the valley of dry bones as, the, as Ezekiel sees these bones become human beings again. God tells Ezekiel, verse 14 of chapter 37, these bones are my people who feel all hope is lost. They feel like they are cut off from any chance to become better human beings and to live the life that they want. They feel like they are too far gone for me to do anything with their sin. But I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. Then you will know, God says, that I, the Lord, have spoken, 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 and done it. But let's get even more practical here. Um, we said God spoke ten words at the beginning of creation. Reality came into being. Life came into being. Uh, God also spoke ten words at the beginning of Israel's uh, journey to the promised land. Uh, we call them the Ten Commandments, right? They are words that are designed to bring life, to help the Israelites know how to live. God says, I have rescued you from your enemies. Now, here's how you live in that rescue. We often look at those commandments as incredible burdens that we can never live up to. You know, uh, I am your God, I am holy, now get with the program and make yourselves like me. Do it. Sometimes we think God speaks to us like that or is a, is a word like, gives us a word like that. But if these are commands of life, if God's word not only informs us, helping us know what to do, but also performs in our life, helps us live out what he asks us to do, then the Ten Commandments are not simply rules to live up to. Oh, they are rules that we are called to obey and must obey, they're, but at the same time, they're also promises God will keep. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not lie. You shall not murder. You shall not honor your father and mother. You shall not covet. You shall take a day to rest, to Sabbath. These are words of life for God's people. When we disobey one of these words of life from God, we are cutting across the very fabric of life itself. For example, when we lie, life does not work like it should. Or maybe, you know, um, 
we use words like exaggerate. Just say, I exaggerated a little bit. Or I, I stretched the truth a little bit. Or uh, we say people spun things in a way that gives them the advantage. Putting a spin on something, um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a lie. When you lie, you deceive yourself. You start knowing yourself less and less when the more that you lie. There's a breakdown in who you think you are. When you lie to others, when you lie to your friends, when you lie to your spouse. And you know, it can start with something so small. I see, I see it in my kids. Um, you know, if I don't jump on it right away, the lie gets a little bit deeper, a little bit bigger, a little bit uh, nastier. Uh, when you lie to others, you break down that relationship. Um, when, you're, when you live that lie, try to live out that lie, this, the, you're, you're building that relationship on false foundations, a false sense of who you are. And it will eventually come crashing down on you. It's the same with not listening to one of the other, to any one of the other commandments. God's word is not what's going to break. It's, it's you who are going to break. Why? Because when God speaks, something always happens. His word will bring about what it says. His word will always perform and not just inform. The way Isaiah puts it, that you might know, God says, my word will not return to me void or empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so it's why the author writes here that the Lord was with Samuel and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. His word always does what it says it will do. Life happens because of the word of God. So reality happens, life happens, finally. What else happens when God speaks? And I want to say the word salvation. I want to use that word salvation. Salvation is what happens because of the word of God. At the beginning, Samuel here did not know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Who did God reveal himself to be? Once Samuel prayed this prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, God proved himself to be a God of justice, right? A God who sets things right. This was the message that he gave to Samuel. Can you imagine a little 11, 12-year-old kid having to give this uh, message to his father in the faith, basically, Eli, to give this message of judgment, of justice to Eli. God was going to get rid of the sin that plagued his house with Eli and his two sons. His two sons totally defiled, totally disrespected God. They were priests in the temple. They were supposed to offer up the sacrifices that the people brought to them. Brought to them. Instead, they took it for themselves and ate it, got fat and happy, got rich. And the Bible says that they despised the offering of the Lord. The sons of Eli failed to be the sons of they should have been. The nation of Israel longed for a true son who could represent them well before God. You may have noticed that Eli began to call Samuel son. My son, go back and lie down. I didn't call you. Samuel, my son, tell me everything the Lord told you. 
Samuel was the first official prophet in Israel's history, confirmed because through his word the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. So here we get a, a glimpse of the, the very first prophet of Israel's history. But it's really the last prophet of Israel's history that God reveals himself most fully. Right? Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. We heard it this, this uh, earlier. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In Jesus, we see most fully who God is. We see God reveal himself most fully and finally. You want to know what God is like? Look at what Jesus is like. When Jesus spoke, something always happened. He healed a centurion's son with just a word. And the son didn't even hear Jesus speak the word. He was healed. Jesus spoke just the word and Lazarus came out of the tomb. Jesus spoke just the word and demons were sent running. Jesus spoke just the word and sins were forgiven. Jesus spoke just the word and health was restored to human bodies. Something always happened when Jesus spoke. Except for one moment. There was only one time when it seems God doesn't say anything. Right? He was on the cross. Jesus was on the cross, taking upon himself the sin of the world. Jesus cries out to God, asking him, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was no word of the Lord. Total silence in that moment. Jesus experienced that excruciating moment of silence from his Father so that you would never have to, so that you could hear his voice calling to you, drawing you near to him. How does he speak to us? He speaks to us in creation. Haven't you ever seen a sunrise or a sunset or a mountain or some beauty which drew your heart into something grand and mighty? He speaks to us in creation. He speaks to us in our pain as he did here with Eli. He speaks to us in our spirit. He speaks to us through his word especially. Do you, know, want, to know, do you want to know what God is saying to you? Read his word. Read the scriptures. You'll find him speaking to you in surprising ways. And all because Jesus experienced that silence so that you would never have to. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Reality happens. Life happens. Salvation happens by the word of the Lord. It's the most powerful prayer you might ever be able to pray. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for, um, for being the kind of God that is um, vocal, 
that gives expression to who you are. You reveal yourself, you express yourself for, uh, for who you are, Lord, as a, uh, as a God of, that is very real, that, a, that is a God of, of life, full life, everlasting life, joyful life. And when life has gone wrong, you speak words of salvation. Pray that you would help us to hear your voice each and every day. Give us ears that are attentive and ready to listen to your voice each and every day. As we wake up tomorrow, get ready for uh, work or the day. Uh, this week, as our, uh, some of our kids head back to school, um, in, in the busyness of the mornings, I pray that you would help us to hear uh, your voice. And uh, we, we lay ourselves before you as servants, ready to hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name.